Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. God's word, come on, let's stand one more time. We're going to get into the word of God today. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, the Lord was very clear to, today as we, as we finish up. We are going to get in the altar and our, our elders and pastors, we're just going to lay hands on folks today. How many of you guys know there's something called impartation? It's biblical, it's spiritual, it's real. Impartation. I believe God wants to impart something to his people today. Because I believe God wants us to continue to walk in the fullness of what he has for our lives. How many of you guys know that God wants that for us? God wants that for us more than you want that for yourself. And I believe God wants to speak to us clearly and do something supernatural this morning in Jesus' name. But here's what I've learned. We have to be ready to receive what God has to say. In these moments, our hearts need to be softened. Our ears need to be opened to hear everything God is about to reveal to his people. So I want us to take a minute and ask the Lord to step in today, to have his way, and that we leave with a fresh impartation of his love, his mercy, and everything he's desired to do in our lives. Amen. Can we pray together? Come on, Father, we love you so much. God, we take time this morning, God, to once again declare how much we love you. How thankful we are for you. Hallelujah. Lord, I feel your goodness, Lord, even right now. Even right now, Lord, I feel your presence, God, permeating this place. And God, I pray over the next few minutes, God, Lord, that your word goes forth. God, not my words, God, your words go forth. God, and today, God, there is an impartation, a supernatural impartation. God, into every heart, into every life. God, as you desire for us to step into the more, God, of what you have for us in this season. God, I pray that, God, over the next little while, God, give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to understand. God, and we give you praise because I believe, God, that when we leave today, when we say that last amen, we are leaving differently than how we arrived. God, and we thank you today for all things in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're ready, somebody shout amen. Amen. Come on, be seated all over the room this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, don't forget on April 24th, that's a couple Sundays from now, we're bringing a first fruits offering to the Lord. Uh, I'm super excited about that. How many of you guys know that bringing a first fruits offering to the Lord is biblical? Seven of us. That's great. It's a biblical. It's biblical. I'm telling you, April 24th, after the 10th and the 17th, yeah, God's going to do more. That's going to be a special day here at Makers. I encourage you right now, begin to pray, begin to prepare, and ask the Lord how you can participate that day. I love bringing first fruits to the Lord. We've been doing it for several years. This uh, first fruits for Melissa and me for the Wooten household, it's the most sacrificial seed we sow all year long. And you know what? We do it gladly because we do it in faith. And not for what God has done but to thank him for what he's gonna do. So I encourage you, just continue to pray and ask the Lord. Pray, prepare, and participate on the 24th, the 10 o'clock and the five, uh, the 10.30 and the five o'clock. It's gonna be a powerful time together in Jesus' name. But I'm excited to continue our series, Marked. Look to your neighbor and say, you've been marked. 
I'm excited to continue our series, Marked. We've been studying for the last several weeks, and we've been learning so much about how God desires to mark his people so we can make a mark in the world for the kingdom of God. How many of you guys know that God wants to mark us with some fresh things in this season? God wants us to carry those distinct characteristics or features that are not just seen by him, but are seen by those around us in Jesus' name. He has marked us. We've been marked so we can make a mark for the kingdom in Jesus' name. And so we've been studying and looking how God has designed that. And I'm, I want to start here today because we've started here every week because we've been talking about how if we're going to be the glorious church, the bride of Christ, we must carry those marks just as Jesus has those marks and he's our groom. So let's start here, Ephesians 5. We're going to read verses 25 through 27 together. And here's what the Word of God says, Ephesians 5, 25. It says this, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church. Somebody shout glorious church. Glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And so we've looked multiple weeks at this, how God desires for us to carry his marks in the earth. And we've talked about how that because we have not always been intentional, we haven't always been consistent, sometimes instead of making marks, we've been leaving stains. Sometimes the church has been leaving stains instead of making marks. And those stains haven't been bringing change and transformation, but they've been leaving confusion and they've been leaving pain in the world. And so we have been studying how God desires to mark us, even down to the years on the calendar and the Hebraic letter Tav, which literally means to mark. It's so powerful to see God is being intentional in this season. He's getting our attention so we can understand, hey, I want you to be the glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, without stain, without flaw, but I want to put my mark on you so you can make a mark in the world. If you're ready to make a mark, somebody shout amen. Man, we want to make a mark for the kingdom of God. And we've looked at so many marks that God desires for us to carry in this season as the glorious church, as the bride of Christ. And today, church, I want to look at two specific marks um, that, that I just believe uh, are going to continue to pace us to accomplish everything that God has for us in our lives. And I want to tell you, and I know this, and I'll say this, this whole series has been very challenging. And I've been preaching some strong messages here at Maker's Church. And I know that, but I don't apologize because the Lord told me to do it. But I want to tell you, I believe in this season God is trying to reveal how much he loves his bride again. And I want to tell you how much I love you and how thankful I am for you. And, and today, I just, I, I feel just, I felt the Lord all week to just encourage the body. And I want to let you know, God's doing some beautiful things. And in this season, listen to me, we get to be a part of it together. And I believe even today, God's raising expectation and faith because I'm going to tell you something. I do not believe the season of head is going to be easy for the church. Come on now. I don't believe it's going to be easy. Listen, we've had a big stir this week about a mouse in Florida, haven't we? Yeah. There's agendas, there are demonic agendas that are being pushed 
everywhere we turn around and look. But I've, I've got news for the world. Greater is the God that is in the church than the demonic spirits that are in the world. And listen to me, but we have to be very intentional as the church in this season. We have to be very intentional. The Bible says in John 1 that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Notice he was full. He didn't have some. He had all grace and truth. That we're going to have to live knowing the fullness of grace and truth and how we reflect Jesus in the earth. I'm going to tell you again because I've been saying it for weeks. If we call ourselves the bride of Christ, we do not reflect ourselves. We reflect the groom. So everything that we do, every time we stand for truth, it better not be our truth. It better be God's truth. Every time that we, that we show grace, it better be the grace of God and not some other cultural grace that's been created for us. We're going to have to be very intentional. Somebody say intentional. It's one of our core values at Makers. We will not be known for good intentions, but living intentionally. We're going to have to be very intentional and consistent. I believe that God is setting the stage just like we're seeing so the church can make marks again. So the church can make marks that bring change and transformation in the world. But if we are not careful and we take the bait and we respond in the same spirit that the world is operating in, we're not going to make marks, we're going to leave more stains. So we better be intentional and we better be consistent. And I believe two of those marks that I believe God wants us to see today, because I, even though the road ahead of us is not going to be easy, how many of you guys know it will still be glorious in Jesus' name? It will be worth every step that we take if we can understand it. It won't be easy, but God's in it and God's going to do it in us and through us. Amen. So this morning I want us to look at two marks. Uh, we're going to look at this. I believe that we need to be marked again based on what God's word tells us with the fullness of love. Somebody say love and endurance. Love and endurance. Now, I want us to, to go to 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, verse 5 today. I know that love and endurance, that combination might sound random, but it's not random to the Lord. And, you know, I, it's so funny. Anytime I read the book, First or Second Thessalonians, I think about a time that we were, uh, when Melissa and I were leading just kids and students in different things, and we asked one of the kids what the pastor talked about. She was like, yeah, we were in First Thessalonians. I'm assuming she was hungry. So if you're hungry today, we can just go to Second Thessalonians. It's fine. But I want us to go to 2 Thessalonians. We're going to go to chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 5. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the Thessalonian believers. And, man, I love what he says here under the anointing of the Holy Spirit because you're going to find we've got some similarities to the believers that were in Thessalonica. Did you know that? Did you know they were just trying to do what was right? They were trying to grow. They were trying to be the reflection of God in the earth. And, man, you know what they were facing? They were facing some problems. They were facing some, some pain and pressures and even some persecution for trying to do what God was telling them to do. And because of this, Paul writes a couple letters, a couple epistles to those believers, continuing to instruct them. And one of these is right here. And this is almost like a, just a prayer that he prays over them, but he wants them to understand. He says this. He says, may the Lord lead your hearts into a full, somebody say full, a full understanding and expression of the love of God. And, somebody say and. 
How many of you guys know this is not the season where the church gets to choose either or anymore? Can't do it. We've got to be a both-and church. We've got to be a both-and bride because the, because the groom desires us to be marked with both. He says, he says, we want, may the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. He says, I want your hearts to be led by the Lord into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. And I told you, I believe there's going to be an impartation of the revelation of both of these today. But I will tell you, as I prepared for this sermon and sought the Lord for these things, if I've learned anything in the first 27 months of this decade, it's that we need to be marked with both of these. I don't, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe the first 27 months of this decade have been easy, but for me, by the way, does this not feel like the longest decade ever? It's just 2022 and it feels like it's been four decades already. But for the last two years and three months, as we're literally in this decade, I have learned that I need love and endurance. I need love and endurance. You say, Pastor, why do we know we need both of those? Because love helps you get started, but endurance is what helps you finish. Love helps you get started, but endurance is what helps you finish. And I believe in this season, God's not just looking for people that say yes to starting, but he's looking that people will have endurance so they can finish what God has anointed them to do in Jesus' name. If you believe that, somebody say amen. So we need to understand we need both because love helps us get started, but endurance helps us finish. You see, it was the Father's love for us that began the plan to redeem humanity. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. That started it. Love got it all started. But did you know it was Christ's endurance that finished that plan. Let me show you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, see this right here. He what? He endured the cross. He finished it. It wasn't easy to finish what the Father had started. But Jesus wasn't just committed to loving the Father. He was also committed to enduring so the work could be complete. Is anybody thankful that we have a Savior who endured for us? Is anybody grateful that we have a Savior that didn't just say yes to love, but he said yes to enduring so that we could know the Father, we could be redeemed, and we could walk in the fullness of God's promises in the earth? I'm so thankful that we understand that we serve a God who doesn't just love, but he also endures. And I believe in this season that God wants his bride, Jesus wants his glorious bride and church to be marked not just by love, but by endurance. And what's interesting is what I see is this, is it's not our love, it's his love. And it's not our endurance, it's his endurance. And Paul tells the believers here in 2 Thessalonians, he says, I'm going to pray the Lord will lead you into a fullness of understanding 
and expression of love and the patient endurance of Christ. Why? Love gets us started, but endurance helps us to finish what God has started in us. And I believe in this season, God is looking for both. Now, I said this a few weeks ago, but it's true. How many of you guys know in America, we're great at starting? We're, dude, those New Year's resolutions, we're dominant for like six days. Crushing it, man. I love January 2nd at my gym. Every year, dude, there's a billion people there. They're like, this is my year. Everything's going to be different. January 6th, they're like, you know what, it's too hard. Every year, every year, but it's not just that one. There's so many things that we say. We are great at starting things. We are horrible at finishing things. Can I get a witness from somebody? Our, our nation and our world, we're wonderful at starting things, but we're not that great at finishing things. I believe God is looking for a church now that's not just committed to starting new things, but committed to finishing things in Jesus' name. And so we need love and endurance to be able to do those the way God has designed us to. So we can have the fullness, not partial, not some of it, but may the Lord lead our hearts into the full understanding and expression of God's love and Christ's endurance. Guess what? The Thessalonians needed both so they could keep growing in the Lord and going for the Lord. You need both so you can grow in the Lord and you can keep going for the Lord. But you've got to get to that place like we've talked about this year, that you take your yes and you unite your yes with the yes of God and you say, you know what, Lord, if you said yes, I could, I've said yes and we're going to walk in the fullness of what you have for my life. we got to say yes. Somebody shout yes. yes. we got to shout yes to the Lord. But I want to look at these just for a minute because I think they're both so powerful. Let's look at how we need to be marked by God's love. Is anyone thankful that, for the love of God in your life? Man, the love of God. The love of God. How many of you guys know from the beginning God's love for us has been unparalleled? I'm going to tell you right now, you may have a, an amazing spouse, kids, friends, family. No one has ever loved you like Jesus. No one has ever, no one will ever love you like the Father loves you. God's love for us is unparalleled. And we can see this throughout the word of God, how much God loves us. Even down to Genesis 1 where he says, let us make man in our image. Isn't it amazing to think that God loved us so much, he said, I want them to carry my image in the earth. It blows me away that God would love us that much. But then I go to Exodus 3 and it's so powerful. In Exodus 3, we see God's people. And specifically, they're going through a tough time. And there's something in that text in Exodus 3 that is still too true today. In Exodus 3, we find this, that God tells Moses, he says, I see my people, I know my people, and I hear my people. He said, I see them, I hear them, and I know them. And can I tell you, there has never been a time, there has never been a time in your life where God hasn't seen you. There's never been a time where God hasn't heard you. And there's never been a time that God has not known exactly where you are. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. Somebody say, say, God loves me. Now look to your neighbor and smile. Come on, do it, smile. Tell him, say, God loves me. Go ahead. <laughs> God loves me. 
You thought I was going to tell you to say God loves you, but I got you. God loves all of us. God loves us. If you're thankful for God's love, somebody say amen. And listen, I'm thankful for God's love. I'm thankful for God's love in my life. And many of us have received that love. And I want to tell you that the love of God does special and significant things for anyone who has received it. The love of God does special and significant things for anyone who has received his love. And, and God's love, I want to show you three things quickly. In God's love, we find completion. Somebody say completion. And God's love, we find completion. Let me show you. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 says, You are also complete through your union with Christ. You are also complete with your union in Christ. Listen, you want to know why we're complete with Christ? Because there is nothing higher, there is nothing wider, there is nothing longer, there is nothing deeper than the love of God. Let me, if you don't believe me, let me show you from the word really quick. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. And it says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Listen, the love of God never runs out. And he loves you even when you didn't love him. But I will tell you, the Bible shows us your union with Christ, God's love for you. Can I tell you what it does? It brings completion in your heart. It should bring completion to who you are. Listen, when you accept the love of God, when you receive the love of God, that means comparing should be done. That means competing should be done. Why? Why do you need to compare or compete if God's made you complete? Why do you need to compare or compete if the love of God has made you complete? Somebody say amen. amen. And so we can see the love of God, the first thing it does that's special and significant when we receive it is it completes us. The fullness of God's love brings an end to those things because Jesus brings completion. Listen to me. The love of God, are you ready? It is not an award to receive but a reward to receive. It's not an award to achieve. It's a reward to receive. And we have to understand something. We're not trying to get God to like us. We're not trying to convince God that he should pick us. The Bible says in Psalm 18, he says he delights in us. God delights in us. So listen, if it's a reward that we should just receive, please today go ahead and say, Lord, I want to receive the fullness of your love again. I want to be marked by the fullness of your love again in my life. God, so I can live in the fullness of what you have for me. But I'm going to go further. Can I tell you, you don't have to win God over. And because you don't have to win God over, you shouldn't live with insecurity, rather security, knowing that you cannot be separated from the love of Jesus. Romans chapter 8 says this, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of 
God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're thankful that we're complete in Jesus, somebody give him praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you find and receive the love of Jesus, there's nothing else that can try to complete you. He completes you. And you can rest in the fact that nothing can separate you from that love. But the second thing I find that God's love does in us is it brings us value. How many of you guys know you're valuable to the Lord? You're valuable to the Lord. God's love helps us to see that we are valuable to him valuable to him and in him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says this, says even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. How many of you guys know masterpieces aren't junk? If an artist has a masterpiece, it's it's, it's, it's the artist's best work. That's why it's the masterpiece. Listen to me. God's love brings value that we could not bring to ourselves. God's love lets us know how valuable we are. But I'll even go further. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, I want you to see what Jesus said. He said, what is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Can I tell you, God even knows the hairs that you've lost. Come on, somebody. For some of you, that's all of them, but that's okay. And the very hairs that used to be on your head are all numbered. That's what it says. <laughs> I'm just going to keep looking down and read the scripture. You guys chill out. Look what it says. He says, God doesn't forget a single one of the spirits. The very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Listen, when you really receive the love of God, you should feel valuable because that's what you are. You're valuable. You don't need to search through this world to see if someone else sees that value. Because you're valuable because God said you were valuable. I don't know about you, but I try to teach my daughter every day that she does not look for a man to value her. Because the father has already said she's valuable. And thank God I'm big enough to hurt about anybody. And if they don't find her valuable, we're going to have a situation. But God said, you're valuable. See this, you're valuable. You're not the bottom of the barrel. You're not mediocre. You're not like, well, hey, I guess you'll do. God says you're my masterpiece, and I love you. I delight in you. How many of you guys know God's not mad at you? He's madly in love with you. That's the power of God's love. So what do we see? In God, the love that God has for us, we find that we are valuable. We find that we are complete. And the last one, are you ready? We find that we're free. Come on, somebody. There is freedom in the love of God. Let me show you. Galatians 5.1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. 
so see this, when you receive the love of God, you are not slaves to anything or anyone. Romans 8 verses 15 and 16. So you have received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves instead. So you've not received that. So instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Listen, when you receive the love of God, you're no longer a slave to anything, but you're a son. And the Father says, everything I have is yours because I love you. There's something beautiful about experiencing and receiving the love of God because it completes us, it brings value, and it sets us free. What does John 8, 36 say? It says, see, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So listen, don't you let yourself be bound in your mind, in your words, in your thoughts, in your body, in your spirit. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. you got to believe that. And you got to walk in it. How many of you guys know sometimes the greatest enemy of our lives is not the devil, it's this thing right here. It's the mind. Sometimes that's the biggest battlefield of our lives. It's the mind. And so we have to understand and recognize, church, we need to be marked again by the love of God because the love of God completes us. The love of God brings value. And the love of God sets us free. Do you believe that? Somebody say amen. Man, it's so beautiful to see that we need to be marked with God's love again. The fullness. What did, what did Paul say? He said, I want you to have the fullness and the fullness of God's love. Understand it all. But then he says, the fullness of Christ's endurance. What is endurance? Let me share with you. What is endurance? The ability to withstand hardship or adversity. The ability to withstand hardship or adversity, especially the ability to sustain a prolonged stressful effort or activity. Now, I will tell you, after the first couple years of this decade, I was expecting the definition of endurance to just say adulting in this decade. That's what I thought it was going to say. How many of you guys know it's been hard? Only me? Great. Okay. It's been challenging. It's been challenging. There have been a lot of things the last 27 months that have been unfun, that have been stressful. Can I get a witness? That, that, have, that have been unnerving, that have been unprecedented. Even right now, man, we get highs when we go to the gas tank right now. Come on. You're like, 408, they used to get me a whole meal at a fast food restaurant 10 years ago. But the reality is, is that Jesus desires to let us operate with his endurance, not ours, but his. And it's interesting that the Thessalonians were reminded by Paul that they didn't just need love, but they needed endurance. They didn't need just love, they needed endurance. Why? Because they were feeling pressure. They were filtering through problems. They were even facing persecution. And the apostle Paul was having to remind them that when they said yes to Jesus, they were not only saying yes to eternal life, but they were also saying yes to an enduring life. How many of you guys know that endurance is part of this thing with the Lord? I'm not sure that everybody really does. 
I think a lot of people, when they think they say yes to Jesus, they become entitled. I think what happened to the Thessalonians is that they said, oh, well, I thought yes to Jesus meant I got to live an entitled life. What they didn't understand is they absolutely were entitled. They were entitled to endure. And I've got news for you, church. You're entitled to endure. Endurance, ooh, some of us think endurance is a bad thing. It's not. Now, I don't, I'm not talking about physical endurance because the last thing you will ever see me doing is running a marathon. That sounds like a mistake. If you can't look at me, I was not built for a marathon. I was built for like football and like 10 yards at a time, get some water, come back, do it again. But, but they didn't understand that part of their walk with the Lord was not just about the eternal life that they had received, but also that their life was gonna require some endurance. And a lot of people, when they say yes to Jesus, they're like, well, well what do you mean I have to endure? That sounds hard. Show me where Jesus ever said it was gonna be easy. In fact, Jesus warned us of the opposite. Can I show you from the word? Don't let me, don't listen, don't take my word for it. Let's take the Lord's word for it. You ready? Here's what he said. He tried to get us attention that we were gonna have to endure. Matthew 24, verses nine through 13. It says, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved does that not sound just like the society we live in right now so many things we're witnessing and we're watching that we will see those things happen false prophets will appear people will hate each other betray each other and guess what Jesus disciples of Jesus in the church we're not gaining in popularity in the eyes of the world we're closed-minded, don't know better. We're not cultured because we follow the standards and the principles of God. But I've got good news. They didn't create the standards and they can't make us follow theirs. Now, what does that mean for a minute? Does that mean that we completely just say, well, no, we're gonna go over here and we're never gonna have anything to do with the world. On the contrary, that's what's caused the church to leave so many stains in this world already. Because we said, let's just hide out over here until Jesus comes back and then we'll be just fine. Jesus said, I am sending you into that world just like I was sent into the world. And so when we see this and understand this, well, pastor, I don't know if I want to endure those things. Do you think Jesus really was excited to endure the cross? Do you think he was excited to get beat with, those, with, that, with that cat of nine tails and get stabbed in the side, have a thorn of crowns shoved on his forehead? Do you think he was excited to be spit on and treated that way? No, but he endured. Why did he endure? Because the Bible says he saw the joy ahead. He knew the reward that was coming. And listen, you and I as the bride of Christ cannot be any different. Listen to me. I don't know if you heard it or not. It's not going to be easy in the last days for the church to move forward. But the best part about it is, even though it's not easy, we will advance and win because Jesus has already won. We will advance and win because Jesus has already won. But somebody today needs to make up their mind. It's not just enough to have love. I've also got to have the endurance of Christ so I cannot just start, but I can finish and do everything God has called me to do.
Look to your neighbor and say, you need endurance. You need endurance. We need to be willing to say, Lord, not just love in this season, but we need endurance. And here's the great things. Jesus said that we need to be marked with endurance, but it's not a deflated and depressed endurance. It is a determined and devoted endurance. It's not something you need to walk around and say, I'm just having to endure. Listen, you have been made for more than just to get by. You have been made for more than just to survive and scrape by. You have been made to advance. You've been anointed to win. You haven't just been made to scrape by but soar over those things and live in the victory of Jesus in every part of your life. If you believe that, somebody say amen. So in all love, stop complaining about having to endure. Because the truth is, you haven't experienced the worst of it yet. Okay, I'll leave you alone. That's fine. Pastor, your J's are too tight. They probably are. You're right. That's why I'm worked up. But listen to me. It is not a deflated and depressed endurance. It is a determined and devoted endurance. Listen, it is a supernatural endurance that comes from Christ. It is an endurance that leads to victory on every side of who we are. See this, God wants to lead us into that endurance so we can understand that the same endurance that empowered Jesus to get up is the same one that operates in us so we don't give up. Think about that for a minute. The same endurance that Jesus had so he could get up from the grave is the same endurance that wants to operate in us so we won't give up. We need endurance in seasons like these so we won't quit. Come on, somebody. I've seen too many people try to throw in the towel these last 27 months. I've seen too many people say it's too hard, I'm done with marriage, I'm done with this, I'm done with this, I'm just going to do something else. Listen, I know sometimes it's not easy, but that's why if you say, Lord, I receive your endurance. Jesus did not give up. He walked through it all and he wasn't just barely making it. He walked with victory and power from heaven. The same anointing that's on Jesus is on us to walk in victory and power, but we've got to say yes to that kind of endurance. Some of you are going to get this later. Because I'm telling you in this season, we must be marked not just by love, but by endurance. I know it's been hard. I know it's been frustrating and unfun. I know faith has been challenged. I know trust has been tested. I know the road has gotten kind of rocky. But let me show you in God's word what's good. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 38. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance, there it is. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. I need you to see that. Whether it's on the screen or not, listen to what Hebrews said. He said, remember the great reward that not throwing away your trust brings you. Patient endurance is what you need right now so you can continue to do God's will. It's not what you need later. It's what you need now. 
Endurance is what you need right now to continue to do what God wants you to do. What God wants you to do. How many of you guys know endurance means that we just need to keep going and we need to keep believing and we need to keep trusting and keep fighting and keep moving forward to make disciples and make a difference? That's the kind of endurance we all need. Not some of us, but all of us. All of us need to know that there is a reward ahead of us if we will walk in endurance. And so what does that mean? That means that because it's Christ's endurance, we need to receive it and then we need to rejoice in it. We need to receive it and then we need to rejoice in a pastor. That sounds crazy, rejoice for endurance. That means I'm basically saying it's okay that I have to go through problems and trials and pain. That's exactly what I'm saying. But I'm gonna let you know a little secret because the word of God's gonna show you. Endurance is not discipline. It's development. Endurance is not discipline. It's development. Let me show you from God's word, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, see this, it's so beautiful, church. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. That they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Somebody say amen to the word. Endurance is not discipline. It is development. And notice what it says, it develops character. There needs to be a revival of character in the church again. There needs to be a revival of character in homes again. There needs to be a revival of character in hearts again. And guess what? The Bible says the only way you're going to get it is through endurance. To get character, you're going to have to go through endurance. You're going to have to endure those things. And then it says, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Honest moment. There are a lot of people today that love Jesus, but you live in a place of disappointment. There's a lot of people that say they love the Lord but they've got disappointment that fills their heart every day. And that oppressive spirit of disappointment and discouragement, it sits on you, it steals joy, it steals peace, it robs you of the very things that Jesus desires for you to walk in. And I heard the Lord say that today, he wants to break disappointment off people in Jesus' name. In fact, I want, I want, I want everyone to lift your hands right now. I'm gonna pray right now before we go any further. That if you're in this place today and you've been dealing with disappointment, you've been struggling with wounds of failed expectations, that God breaks them off of you and sets you free right now in Jesus' name. Father, I come into agreement with heaven. And Lord, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that every oppressive spirit of disappointment is broken off of your sons and daughters. God, the places, God, where there have been wounds of failed expectation. God, where there have been places, God, where people, God, have been discouraged and depressed and disappointed. Father, I pray those are broken 
broken right now. And God, right now, you give them a new heart, God, and a right spirit. And God is filled with hope again and joy again and peace again. And may you remind your people in this moment that their best days are not behind them, but they are ahead of them. And we speak it and declare it right now in Jesus' name. Come on, if that's you, say, I receive it and give the Lord praise in the house because he is good. We did not receive salvation to live disappointed. We received salvation so we could walk in the destiny the Lord has for us. And I'm telling you, I believe that this is the time for the church to say, God, fill us with love and endurance again. Fill us with love and endurance again. I don't know about you, but I want God to mark me with the fullness of his love. I want God to mark me with the fullness of Christ's endurance so I can keep going in everything he has for me. If that's you, somebody say amen.